say in speeches that a plausible mission of artists is to make people appreciate being alive at least a little bit. I'm asked then if I know of any artists who pulled that off. I reply, the Beatles did. That's a quote from Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, I'm Arin Laban, the host of this show, Flashback, the audio podcast where we talk about cover song, sample song, and their original. And what you're hearing right now is uh, the one of the multiple versions of the grail of cover songs. Uh, the song, of course, yesterday from the Beatles, uh, that had been covered at least 3,000 times in studio recording. There is probably uh, hundreds of thousands of versions of that song. In the last episode, I said I would do four uh, covers of the Beatles and four songs that the Beatles covered. Uh, I changed my mind and decided to do uh, only songs that were covers of the Beatles by uh, some of the greatest artists uh, in the Western world. So we have in the playlist like Stevie Wonder, uh, Johnny Cash, Bjork, Ella Fitzgerald, Aretha Franklin, David Bowie, James Brown, George Benson, and a French band called Noir Désir for a total of 18 songs uh, instead of 16 like I usually do so expect an episode a little bit longer than the usual I listened to the entire discography of the Beatles in preparation for this episode uh, like I do I do that once a year and there is as you can guess an, a massive information it would take hundreds of hours to talk properly about the Beatles but I believe that uh, listening to music and to compare cover songs uh, we learn much more by doing so than by talking about it. So uh, I'm going to try to not talk too much and focus just on the music. The chronology of the song will follow is uh, the recording chronology, not necessarily the releasing chronology. Uh, and also, you, as you probably know, there is two major phases of the Beatles career. The first phase where the Beatles are a touring band uh, from the 60s to uh, 1960 to 1965, about 65, until the album Rubber Soul, where the Beatles are kind of a boys band that tour a lot. Uh, first in Hamburg from 60 to 62, 63, and then in, in England and in the US starting in 1964. Uh, and then in 65, they do Rubber Soul and it's kind of a shift, uh, a, a point where the Beatles uh, start to be more a studio band and they will perform less and less uh, until they don't perform at all. So tonight I'm going to have a, a focus on the second half of their career uh, because I believe that when they become a studio band they bring a more complex melody, more complex chords and successions of chords. Uh, so I'm going to focus on my favorite part of their career. So let's start with a song that do not appear in one of their albums, the song We Can Work It Out. It was on a single release, uh, so a 45 uh, tour per minute al uh, vinyl, and, and uh, the, it was called the double A side uh, single because uh, the, the other side of that album was Day Tripper. Let's listen to both the Beatles and Stevie Wonder's version. Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it your way Run the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone We can work it out We can work it out Think of what you're saying You can get it wrong and still 
come on that only only stevie can do that it's it's a wonderful wonderful cover and again tonight it's all stars so we'll only have great covers but my god this is dynamic and positive i love it uh, and I don't know if you notice, there's a couple differences, uh, I mean, much more than a couple differences, but noticeable uh, differences is that at the end of the chorus, I believe, in the Beatles version, there is kind of a valse, a valse waltz, sorry, waltz rhythm, uh, so it shifts from 4-4 four, four, um, time key, how do you call that? Time signature uh, to 3-4, so uh, th that's valse rhythm. Stevie Wonder decide not to to have he keeps a 4-4 after the the chords he doesn't shift to a vals rhythm but he does the the we can work it out in a syncope rhythm so it's a counter beat it doesn't hit on the downbeat it's it hits instead of hitting one like the Beatle he hits 1.5 uh, which makes it also kind of disbalance instead of having this disbalance from the vaults so that I thought was interesting Next song of the day is the song In My Life from the album Rubber Soul. And Johnny Cash is going to do a cover song, a cover of it. Uh, and I, what I think is the most interesting is that on one hand, it's it's kind of, it's a John Lennon that writes the lyrics to that song and it's very mature uh, writing for his age. He's like barely in his mid-twenties at that point, John, uh, John Lennon. And Johnny Cash, when he does it, he brings something much deeper because when Johnny Cash recorded that song, he has just a few years left in his life. And that's, uh, I think, the last, not his last album, but the one before his last album. Let's just listen to the Beatles first and then uh, Johnny Cash, and then we'll debrief. There are places I But people and 
here's a version of Johnny Cash. There are places I'll remember all my life Though some have changed, some forever Not for better, some have gone And some remain, all these places have their moments with lovers and friends I still can recall Some are dead And some are living In my life I've loved them all But of all these friends And lovers there is no one compares with you And these memories lose their meaning When I think of love as something new Though I know I'll never lose affection For people and things that went before I know I'll often stop and think about them In my life, I love you more For people and things that went before I know I'll often stop and think about them In my life, I love you more to have a little bit of context to understand uh, how deep and powerful that that version of uh, in my life is i mean you can hear it blatantly but uh, also johnny cash release uh, this song in his 84th album i think that's just insane 84th album and he's still going to make uh, a couple more or one more i think this one is um, american four when the men's come when the man comes around and it's released in 2002 uh, for the past five years before that since 97 uh, Johnny Cash have been uh, diagnosed with a neurodegenerative uh, disease so he knows that he's uh, approaching the end a few months after the recording and the release of that song he lose his lifelong partner uh, June Carter 
and uh, Rick Rubin, his uh, producer, the, the producer of American Recording, uh, who is the same producer who, who had the Def uh, Recording. Uh, if you know Def Jam, uh, it was uh, the biggest hip-hop, rap and heavy metal uh, pro producer. Rick Rubin, who is a very uh, characteristic, like I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, he has a giant white beard and he's a great producer. He approached uh, Johnny Cash uh, for the American Recording series. Uh, those five albums that Johnny Cash does at the end of his life and he says that without uh, uh, this fifth album uh, that he released uh, 2004 I believe uh, Johnny Cash would just have uh, died right away after the death of uh, June Carter because it was a heartbreak for him but now we're gonna shift from the oldest uh, performer of the day to the youngest performer of the day did you know that Bjork released her first album when she was 11? I had no idea. And, and, and in that album, she covers a song from the Beatles, uh, The Fall on the Hill. That song came out in the Magical Mystery Tour in 1967. Uh, what's interesting about the Magical Mystery Tour is that we are just after the Beatles started decided to be a studio band and not touring at all anymore. And the producer are trying to find a viable solution for them to still have a, a touring band and a, a band that produce quality albums. So they have this idea between Sgt. Pepper and the Magical Mystery Tour to make kind of a circus that um, uh, that do th those performances of those albums in local town. Those performances wouldn't be made by the Beatles, it would be made by a cover band or multiple cover bands. And the ID do not work. And, and uh, at the end, it just gives great um, studio album material, but no touring. Let's listen first to the Beatles and then we'll listen to Bjork. Day after day, alone on a hill The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still But nobody wants to know him, they can see that he's just a fool And he never gives an answer, but the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down and the eyes in his head See the world spinning round Well on the way Head in a cloud The man of a thousand voices Talking perfectly loud But nobody ever hears him Or the sound he appears to make he never seems to notice But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning See the world spinning round. Oh, 
Bjork's version. Wonderful performance, I think. Like, what were we doing where, where we're, when we were 11? You know, like it, it's crazy how good at that age she already was. 
uh, that came out in 1977. The critic didn't like the album. I don't know what they want, the Icelandic critic. But so she's been taken down by the critics, and and but yet her her uh, label uh, is offering a second album. Uh, for her to record and she refused the contract for the second album she rather take the cash in because she says at 11 she would rather have uh, buy herself a piano with that money and uh, to work on her composition how freaking mattress it's, it's insane to me also you probably noticed I did today decide to leave all the song uh, full I don't cut any of the song because I believe that both the original and the cover songs are uh, interesting in their own way and I don't want to cut uh, true artists in the middle of their work. Now let's talk about our next song uh, today, the, the, Beatle, the Beatles song Savoy Truffle that came out in the White Album. First let me say that the White Album is probably one of it's hard to say it's the best album of the Beatles, but I think it's a culminating point of their career. Creatively speaking, the White Album is a double album. There is like, I don't know, 35 songs or something, and it's extremely creative. Uh, the song Savoy Truffle is often a song that uh, people don't pay much attention about because it's uh, not their most re um, remarkable. Uh, but one anecdote that I think is interesting, uh, that song was uh, written and composed by uh, George Harrison uh, in relation to the sweet tooth of Eric Clapton, his good friend, uh, and it's a description of different cookies that you find in the Macintosh Good News chocolate box. At that point in the Beatles' career, there starts to be some tension after the spiritual trip they did uh, in India uh, the year before. Uh, this is 1968. A little anecdote uh, that's more for myself than anything else. The, the song mentioned the town of Montélimar, um, and it's the place where I lived and I met my wife uh, in that town. So it's a, a little little thought uh, to my wife. Uh, when we were living in Montélimar together, we would listen to Ella Fitzgerald on a daily basis, and it was a special time for me and for her. So this is for, for you, my Bluma. I love you, and I hope you enjoy the song.
And here is Ella Fitzgerald's version. ending to, to have this dissonant uh, chords at the end. I don't know what this is about, but it's very, it gives kind of a melancholy to the song. It's kind of final twist. I, I don't know how to interpret that, that final chord at the end. Uh, now about uh, the, the mention of Montelimar, I just gotta say quickly, it, it has nothing to... I was excited because I thought that oh, maybe Ella Fitzgerald and maybe the Beatles knew about uh, the town of Montelimar. How wonderful is that? Because I love that town. <coughs> no, it's just because it's uh, the capital of Nougat in France and uh, it's just one of, the, one of the cookie in the box. Now we are entering the final two albums of the discography of the Beatles and that's where uh, I'm gonna spend most of my time, probably another hour just on those two albums. Uh, and so we passed 10 albums so far, so you can imagine there's a lot of great songs there that we didn't get into. But now we're going to uh, go a little bit slower and take song by song 
the next song we're going to talk about is uh, Let It Be, uh, one of the biggest classic of the Beatles of all time. And I was surprised to learn that uh, when Paul McCartney writes this song, he does not write it for the Beatles, he writes it for uh, Aretha Franklin, he sees that as a soul song. Um, and Aretha Franklin uh, has a class of waiting for the Beatles to release it on their album before she releases it on hers. Uh, you might think, uh, yeah, but Let It Be, it's obviously in the album Let It Be, and that's uh, one that comes out in 1970, and that's the last album. Uh, as a matter of fact, Let It Be was recorded uh, before uh, Abbey Road was recorded, and when they were both uh, done recording, they thought, oh, it's better to end our career with Let It Be. It makes more sense. So let's listen to both versions, the Let It Be from the Beatles, and then uh, it's a little gem, the Aretha Franklin one. I hope you enjoyed. Let it 
Please ever test version. In times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she's standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. So the Beatles version was first released as a single, I think, in 68. Then Aretha Franklin released it in one of her album in the 1970, in January, something like that. And a couple months later, the Beatles released it in the album uh, Let It Be. 
So if you want to look into the discography, you could say that Aretha Franklin's version is the original. Um, and also the source of inspiration of the song is not only Aretha Franklin, but obviously uh, uh, the mother of um, Paul McCartney, who writes the lyric of that song, uh, whose name was Mary too. And he lost uh, her when uh, Paul McCartney was 14, and uh, he came with the writing of that song during a anxiety dream that he had about his mother that uh, told him to let it go somehow, let it be. Uh, or at least that's a legend behind the song. I, I never asked Paul himself. The next song that we're going to talk about is in the same album, uh, Let It Be, and it's the song Across the Universe. Uh, and it's a very, very uh, cosmic song. Uh, it's, it's based on some kind of transcendental meditation. You can hear uh, John Lennon sing his mantra over and over before the chorus of the song. Um, and who better than uh, David Bowie to do a cosmic version of a cosmic song? So let's listen first to the Beatles and then David Bowie. Endless rain into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away Across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy Are drifting through my opened mind Possessing and caressing me Change 
and here's a great David Bowie. Words are blowing out like endless rain Into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away Across the universe Fools of sorrow, waves of joy Are drifting through my open mind Possessing and caressing me
I miss the fadeaway. Uh, I feel like the fadeaway is not as used as uh, used as often nowadays, but it, it's a great way to end the song. It makes it infinite somehow. Uh, and I love uh, the David Bowie's interpretation uh, and version of it. it it's just uh, he, he really appropriates himself the song and do something uh, different with it. Uh, and that's what you're looking for. But of course, like all, all the songs today are, are great um, interpretations, or I should say versions of, of the Beatles song. But the, the three songs that come now, the, the, the three pair of uh, original and cover songs that are coming, were the ones that uh, provoked the most debate uh, with uh, family members and friends uh, when I was talking about the selection of songs I was doing for this episode. Uh, the next one is uh, the song Something. It was also written by uh, George Harrison. Uh, it's the second song uh, from George Harrison that released tonight. You have to know that if you don't know already, uh, most of the songs of the Beatles are composed and written by uh, uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Uh, Ringo Starr just very little composition. He does a few, uh, and uh, and it's always interesting to hear George Harrison because uh, it brings always it's a different nuance of a Beatles uh, song. Uh, so the song "Something" um, is is uh, uh, one of my favorite of the of the album uh, Abbey Road, and James Brown did a total reappropriation of that song, and it can, uh, it can like people. Some people love it, some people hate it. I really think that it's very creative. He changes the hook of the song instead of having the accent on the something uh, he's going to uh, say you gotta believe and put the accent of the song on you gotta believe and not on the something uh, so up to you to, to judge uh, if you prefer this song or the, um, the I mean the James Wan's version or the Beatles version but I think it's worth your time let's listen to it Thank you. 
Here's a cover of James Brown. That song. I think it's so creative and original. Uh, I don't. I understand that if you grew up with uh, the song "Something" uh, from the Beatles, it can be disturbing to have such a reappropriation of the song. But uh, it is creative and it's totally justified. Uh, and okay, he has a bit of a broken voice and all that, but I, I think it's good. Uh, next song uh, tonight is the song "Octopus's Garden." 
and that was my absolute favorite favorite song when I was a kid. Uh, you know, when English is not your first language, you discover the lyrics of the song with time as you learn English. And uh, that is a song that I understood ra rather quickly when I was a kid. Uh, my parents told me that octopus was a was a octopus, and uh, and just the idea of an octopus garden that I could translate in my head. It suddenly it became this song took another dimension for me. And it's one of the rare songs that is uh, actually written and composed by Ringo Starr and where he's a lead singer. And that doesn't happen uh, so often in the Beatles uh, discography. So uh, worth mentioning, the cover of that song today uh, is from uh, George Benson. George Benson make an entire homage to the album Abbey Road uh, in something jazzy and a little bit more like that version of Octopus's Garden somehow makes me think of a Christmas song. And I think uh, George Benson is one of the greatest jazz guitarists uh, of all time, so it's absolutely worth talking about him too. It's a short song, it's like uh, one and a half minutes, the George Benson version. But first, let's listen to the Beatles version of the song. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade he'd let us in knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade i'd ask my friends to come and see In the shade We would be warm Below the storm In our little hideaway Beneath the waves Resting our head On the seabed In an octopus's garden Near a cave This garden in the shade Benson's version. 
Did you notice the, the what I call the Christmassy vibe? The, I don't know if I don't mean no disrespect. I just felt like there was something Christmassy about that song. And uh, the original fueled my imagination so much when I was a kid. I grew up in South of France. I used to dive all the time every summer since I'm like five or six years old. And I always found that octopus was so freaking smart. Here we are at the last song of the day. It's a song uh, I want you. Uh, in brackets, she's so heavy. Uh, it's my favorite song is the most experimental almost song of the Beatles very long so uh, I think it's seven minutes or something and it's been uh, covered by a French band a very influential French band uh, called Noir Désir uh, in their album Tostaki uh, and um, that album is named by the Rolling Stone magazine in France the second most influential rock album of all time after Ose Joséphine of uh, Alain Bachung So it is relevant to talk about uh, Noir Désir, that great band, and about that song, uh, I Want You. But uh, 15 years after that album was recorded, I think it's uh, worth for you to know that the the singer of that band, Bertrand Cantat, uh, killed his partner. uh, And it was a huge uh, debate afterwards in the French society on... Uh, you know, should we, like Michael Jackson, like R. Kelly, like uh, so many other artists that in their private, li- private life behave in a very disappointing way? And I was disappointed too. And I'm not trying to defend uh, Bertrand Cantat. Uh, I just think that his, uh, what we talk about here is music and his music was revolutionary for, um, or the music of his band, Noir Désir More, uh, was, was very important in the French history of music. Last thing about the Beatles version of the song, I have a belief, and that might just be a belief, but uh, that the Beatles were inspired during the two or three last albums of their career by uh, Pink Floyd, and Pink Floyd is my favorite band, so I, of course I'm going to say they were influenced, 
uh, but there is a reason for it. It's also because they were recording at the same time in Abbey Road in two different studios. So they were next to each other and there is legends that they listened to each other during the recording. Each band went to listen a little bit to uh, the Beatles, to Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd to the Beatles. And there was a mutual influence there. So we're going to listen to both those songs for my part. Uh, I'll see you next month. Uh, I, do, I don't put a topic uh, for next month. It's going to be a free ball episode because I have plenty of songs I want to talk about and they're not necessarily uh, linked to each other. Uh, and uh, But feel free, if you have uh, some recommendations, some suggestions, you can contact me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Arine Larbonne on both those platforms. There is a Facebook page about uh, Flashback, so if you type Flashback Arine on Facebook, you should find the page. I also have a Patreon uh, to help me pay for the right uh, of the song I use in that uh, podcast. So if you go on patreon.com, you can find me at uh, Flashback Arild. Or if you just type Arild, I'm the only creator with that name. And the final plug I have to make today is uh, uh, to another podcast called uh, Memory Splunking, uh, hosted by Ryan Kadehi. Uh, it's also on CastBox, so if you just type Memory Splunking on the research bar, you'll find the show. Uh, so enjoy those songs, and I'll see you next month.
des ear cover. I want you. I want you so bad. I want you. I want you so Oh. 